So as promised, Richard and I saw Ghostbusters 2016. We went to the movies. It was a good time. It was. I I I liked the movie. In terms of going to the movies and having an experience and seeing a movie and laughing and being spooked at the spooky bits and, you know, all of that, I really liked it. Yeah. No, I think that, um, you know, I thought it was really funny because I think that women are people. And <laughs> Well, I mean, I it's in some ways it's bullshit that this is the movie that is a hill that people are dying on because – yeah. As a movie, there's not a ton of – like, it's a real movie. It's a good movie. Everybody's funny. It does have a very strange relationship with the original Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. But in a way which doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the leads are women. No, absolutely not. I mean, the thing about this movie that I that I really like – and I, I do like Paul Feig quite a lot. I think that his movies are actually – good he gets good performances out of comedians he gets good performances yeah. out of actors he's he's good at writing scripts and i think that you know he is a disciple of uh what the fuck is his name apatow yeah he is a disciple of apatow but that's right didn't he he he, he started he freaks star- and geeks? yeah he started on freaks and geeks i think okay but I like his movies more because they actually hang together better as movies. I think that, you know, the this Ghostbusters I, is actually the plot of it and the structure of yes. it is actually looser than the original Ghostbusters. But in a lot of ways, I would say it actually it I, I actually liked the structure of this movie a lot better because I mean, in, as an introductory piece, I think it did a better job than the original. As I said, the, the original, I said, felt like an adaptation of something because all these things are just kind of a priori in place. Well, you, you, have know, the, you know what it is. I, I actually disagree with you because the original well, Ghostbusters is is very quick in establishing them as yeah. the Ghostbusters. And this movie, I don't think that they actually are established as Ghostbusters until about an hour in. But I kind of liked it well, as here, an origin but here's story. My, but here's my thing about that is that – the original Ghostbusters was conceived as a movie without yeah. sequels. This is obviously a movie with oh, sequels yes. in mind. And that was one of the things that I actually didn't like about the movie was Fair. how much time it took to get where it needed to get. I mean, certainly it was funny throughout the entire movie, and certainly the plot is not really the point. But it just kind of felt like it was treading a little bit of water in, in getting them to that point. There is a lot of more early years. Giving, you know, for, for example, the... The ending, they buy the firehouse, the government, uh, the lady from the mayor's office is saying, you know, oh, you're working for us, and if anything comes across, and I think apparently in the post-credits bit that we didn't see, there's a mention of Zool, so obviously it's setting things up to, you know, the next movie they're working for real, which I think it'll be nice if the sequel does have them actually working established one of the things as we said we didn't like about ghostbusters 2 is how it was a reset in a lot of ways yeah there there i doubt that the second movie will begin with them disgraced and working back in the chinese restaurant like this is going to be them with actual resources now yeah i agree with that and i think that was one of the one of the more interesting changes that that feig and i i forget his co-writer's name but but she was i mean obviously you know she did a great job as well um because the script was very good but it it is interesting to me because the uh, I guess the 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 way that the movie is structured and the way that the movie ends, you're right, is in a very different place. And I also think that it it's very smart about tying in. I mean, this is not a you know thematically resonant movie about the way we live now or anything. No. But it does use the government. It does use 
you know, I think it's the FBI or Homeland Security or something in a very interesting way that that is very now that you couldn't have done in 1984, 1989. Well, put it this way. We said that another thing we said about Ghostbusters 2 was the scene in the mayor's office was a repeat of the first one in a lot of ways. And there is a mayor's office sequence in this movie as well. But you're right. They are used very differently in the original. They're very skeptical, but eventually get turned around and are fully supportive. From this, the mayor and his aide believe in ghosts from the get-go, but believe we're going to do a better... I mean, that's a very interesting where where it goes. They they believe that we as the government, as the authorities, are going to be able to do a better job of this than average everyday citizens, but we're going to blame everything on the fuck-ups of the average everyday citizens. And at the end of the movie, the government is realizing, no, it's the people on ground level who are actually able to get stuff done. And, I mean, I frankly loved that. Which, that's the most fantastic part of the movie, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That the government acknowledges that at the end. Yeah, I, I, I was about to say I really appreciated that. Because it does make them not evil, but just short sighted and willing to rectify their mistakes. And, you know, and yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think that that the other thing that the movie is really smart about doing is it is really, I think, a movie about female friendship to a large degree. Yeah, And I think that one of the reasons why they took so long in getting to the place where the first movie took about 20 minutes to get to is that, you know, we when we said when we talked about Ghostbusters and to, to some degree Ghostbusters 2, you know. Bill Murray was kind of the primary focus of the movie. He was the one that was really driving a lot of the comedy. And the other Ghostbusters were certainly there, but you never really got a sense of what their relationships were like, or you never really got a sense of, yes. like, you know, Egon or Stance as people, or, or certainly Winston. But but in this movie, you get a lot more sort of resonance of friendship. You get a lot more of, like, an emotional component to their relationships. You get to see how they sort of interact with each other. There's this whole backstory between, uh, 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 you know, Melissa McCartney's character and and um, Kristen, Wiig. uh, Kristen Wiig's character about how they were childhood friends that fell out because they wrote this book about ghosts. Yeah. And now Kristen Wiig's character is going up for tenure at Columbia and, of course, It's interesting denied. how science is portrayed in both movies because both, you know, all of them are certainly dealing with science as a way of you know destroying the you know the spiritual but this movie does have a lot more writing on scientific proof Kristen Wiig's character seems to be based on finding scientific legitimacy in a way that the other the original ghostbusters don't really seem to care about well and i think too that it was a smart thing for the for the movie to do because the movie is certainly not the mo- the movie is quietly feminist it is not yeah. stridently feminist in any way and there there are parts of especially Kristen wiggs early story in the movie where she's trying to get tenure at columbia which are grounded in the reality of what it's like to be a woman in the sciences i think you know yeah. i'm not a woman in the sciences obviously but but i know some women that work in the sciences and they you know it, it can be difficult for them and and they do kind of get these sort of reactions and these sort of Mm -hmm. attitudes thrown at them and so i liked that i liked the fact that she was so panicked about this book because you know that is a thing that academics go through yeah you know i have known academics that have side projects that they kind of keep hidden because otherwise they would really uh uh, uh, culturally it would not look good which you know academia is actually sort of a very insular conservative field in a lot of ways and that movie this movie captures that it also captures i think the casual sexism that is still prevalent Hmm. in so much of of that culture and in our culture frankly what i think is interesting is these feminist themes contrasted to the main villain rowan what i really i loved him by the way because he is a literal (laughs) fanboy. yeah 
I loved the part when he's talking about now here is a cat he, he he is in a way a, a villain that uh would seem to mesh with a lot of the people who found problems with having a ghostbusters movie oh yeah the women in it and he is somebody who has been bullied all of his life i believe that he was always outcasted i believe that he has had a shit hand of the stick sure i believe all of this and he has decided to go on a nihilistic revenge spree sure as a result he is very literally somebody who you know opens fire in a, in a, in a movie theater and what I think one of the most tragically powerful moments of the movie is when, you know, he's talking to the four of them and Melissa McCarthy is saying, well, you know, things aren't really great for us too, but, you know, there's so much left to live for and all they can really think of is soup and salad. And, I mean, there is this moment where the – I mean, the four characters are all outcasts in their way. We see, you know, Kristen Wiig, as you said, out, kind of outcasted in the academia. She was outcasted as as a, as a girl, uh, yeah. as was Melissa McCarthy's. Hulk's, as a woman. When she was eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fair then. Um, <laughs> uh, Holtzman's character, y- you know exactly how many friends she had in high school. You know, at this point – she, you know, does have most of security in herself, but at the end, that toast makes it very clear how important this is to her. And even Patty, I mean, she basically joins these, you know, th- th- other three women because she thinks it's a club. I mean, she can't have too many friends, right? Yeah. So I think there is this moment where the four, the four of them, and Rowan would be able to understand each other very well. Well, there... Rowan doesn't feel like he's able to empathize with these people. I mean, in in a very literal sense. The tragic to the tragic theme of this movie is that the the feeling that women and men are so different and that one set of problems isn't as important to each other is what leads to these tragedies when, you know, if they would sit down and actually realize they have all been equally I mean, there is a version of this movie where Rowan steps down and uses his talents to help them. Well, yeah, and I think that I think that's a good point. And I, I do wonder if you know, you could make the argument, and maybe I am making the argument, that one of the things that is very um, sly about this movie is the fact that it's never really commented on directly, except for maybe that one scene in the very early part of the movie where Kristen Wiig says something about her wardrobe to the, you know, crusty yeah. old man who runs her department. And it's never really commented on directly that. I think one of the reasons why they're not taken as seriously as the original Ghostbusters is because you're talking about four women. Yeah. And it is interesting that Roland is, I think that I don't know that I necessarily agree with you that I think that they would join forces. I mean, he is, he is a much more damaged character. He is obviously, you know, like you said, if this was a, uh, not a ghost movie. He would be shooting up a movie theater. He would not be creating a device to, you know, yeah. to make ghosts come out of a vortex in Times Square. But frankly, that's because you can't make that device. If that could drive, could be made into the real world. Some asshole would do it. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that there is a nice little connection between him and the other characters, of course, because he yeah. used the book that they wrote to do this. Now, I do say I do want to say, though, that. I have problems with the character of Patty and I have problems Mm. with like Leslie Jones in the movie. She's very funny. I like her as an actress and a comedian very much. I like all of them as comedians, frankly, but her 
part of the movie while it does correct some of the problems with the original two Ghostbusters movies. She actually has a role in this movie. Yeah, instead of just standing there and kind of being, you know, looking like he doesn't like sh- like he doesn't know why he's there in the first two movies, Winston, and, and she actually has a role in this movie. Mm-hmm. It does hew a little too closely to the sort of like, oh, these are the three scientists, and then we've got the street smart black person. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that it's like that bad, but it is. I, it's it's tempered by a couple of things. Uh, I wouldn't say completely mitigated by it, but uh, number one, I did read that originally this was going to be Melissa McCarthy's role. Interesting. Uh, and then, you know, Leslie Jones ended up and then, you know, the casting got shifted around. And so while well, obviously they rewrote it, you know, once, you know, Jones was cast. Uh, but see, she, I think it would have been a much more interesting approach yes. if they had made Leslie Jones the Melissa McCartney character. Of course. And I, I, I don't disagree with that. And I know one of the other issues, for example, in the trailer, she has that, well, I know New York line. And in, con- in, in the context of the trailer, it does seem more like she's doing the street smart and sassy role. In, this mo- in the movie, they do take it to be more of a historical and social yeah. knowledge. I mean, she, they end up shunting a lot of the exposition to her. Oh, I know what happened in the, that hotel. Oh, you know, at this spot, you know, kind of a thing. And so I th- do think that gives it... Again, it doesn't completely change it, but it does make it a little more than just simply she knows how to rap, which is how, (laughs) you know, you you can picture it's a more sophisticated take on that kind of a character, I would guess. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I I will say, though, that I think that that her introduction is sort of problematic in the way. I mean, you know, and and the the exposition that she gives feels kind of clunky. I mean, it's kind of like, as you know, this. Well, of course, the exposition in the original Ghostbusters had a lot of the. Those kind of feels too. That is true. And I also, you know, I also wonder like this is this is not connected to that in any way really, but the the sort of techno babble that's going on in the movie. Yeah. I don't know why that's in there necessarily. I mean, I don't think it really adds much to the movie. I think I mean a lot of it I just took number one, a lot of it is shunted off to Holtzman, who the entire movie I mean I would say – what's the – Kate McKinnon? Kate McKinnon. I mean she she was – if she, she, she did what Bill Murray I'd say no, did in the first movie. No one actor in this movie steals the movie in the yeah. same way that Bill Murray did, especially in the first Ghostbusters. Yeah. But she comes closest. Yeah. I mean she I would, is very funny in this movie. I felt like Christian Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, number one, they are both kind of playing more of a straight role than compared to the others. They, but they, they were playing more of... Uh, more of the 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 normal quote yeah this this the straight man in a way for lack yeah. of a better term uh well there but they're, part of it is leslie jones and uh kate mckinnon were acting just at a better level than the two of them i i thought yeah because I, I i do think that that melissa mccartney and Kristen wig in this movie while they are both very funny and they are yeah. both very uh, uh very good I think that they were really playing more of, of an emotional yeah. core. Oh, yes. Than, than Which is not to say that they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I very much liked them in this movie. They did excellent jobs. I mean, the characters in general are intended to be a little closer to Earth than yes. the others. The others are just these two wacky people that they meet up, but they're all misfits in their own, you know, the, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of that, you know, Holt, Holt, most of Holtzman dialogue is very what the fuck, whether it's a line like, I can think of seven uses for a body today, or whether she's just throwing off these technobabble terms. I mean, to a very real degree, she doesn't live on the same plane of reality as the other characters. And, you know, 
part of that means saying wacky things. Part of that means being able to, you know, fluently understand these frankly incomprehensible nonsense topics in a way that, you know, she she creates these exaggeratedly complex machines. So I, that's, I guess, I took it as a comedy bit. Yeah, that's true. And it, I, it's one that, yes, maybe they use a little too – rely on a little too heavily and they could have dialed back a bit, but – I guess I have a sensitivity to Technobabble because I have seen Star Trek. Uh, yes. Uh, you oh, know, God. <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, the, the final point that I maybe want to make about the cast and the character specifically is that I, I think it was a really, really strong choice to not uh, make all of the characters direct analogs to characters oh, yeah. in the first Ghostbusters. None because of them, none of them really were very, map. No, not at all. And, and you know, there was no – there certainly was no Kate McKinnon version of, of any character in the original Ghostbusters. And there's some things like – uh, uh, um, you know, Chris Wig is a little-ish like Egon, you know, Patty is a little-ish like Winston, uh, you know, Kate is a little, uh, McKinnon is a little bit like Bill Murray, but yeah, you're right, they're not direct analogs and they are very much, in a lot of ways, this is, if this were a video game, we would be calling this a spiritual sequel and have no real problems with it. Yeah. Because, you know, it is taking much the structure of a Ghostbusters movie, the themes of a Ghostbusters movie, the tone. I mean, all of those are excellent, but telling its own story, you know, giving us very different characters, giving us very different kind of an angle at the end of it. Uh, well, and that's what you, I mean, if you're going to remake a movie, yeah. then I would like you to go in a different direction than the original one. And I think that's why this movie works so well, is that it it does go in a lot of different directions. It's using you know women right which is very different uh it's it's able to to make fun of movies for slotting women i mean the chris hemsworth character for example yeah. is, is fantastic and that is the that is a ver- that is a character that would have been played by a woman yeah you know even 10 years ago if this had not been probably you know, even today they still probably even today but, frankly but he basically plays a stupid blonde bimbo yeah and i loved it it was fantastic <laughs> i mean and he was so game to do that and i yeah I, what I think one of the one of the most revelatory things for me with this movie is that you know I'm a fan of comedy. I I know a lot of uh, you know I I watch a lot of comedy and 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 so this is not new to me. But I think it's new to a lot of people that maybe don't pay a lot of attention to comedy. Is that this movie is very funny? I mean, you know, women are funny. Hmm. Sorry to everyone who doesn't think the women are funny. <laughs> women are funny. The there's a lot of lines and a lot of jokes in the movie that come from from a female point of view i mean kate mckinnon's line about <laughs> the fart coming from the front yeah i mean that was great and that's a line that you would not get it from, from a man obviously uh, uh half of the jokes were just the way her line delivery though i will say like they her her delivery of they do was just one of the fucking funniest things i've ever seen but i loved her and sigourney weavers yeah safety lights are for dudes exchange. yeah yeah and i i, but, I, I like the fact that these are these are female characters and comedians that are being told, and it, well, not being told, I shouldn't say that, but they're they're being directed, and they're also just doing their own thing. Well, they're doing it in a very female way that is still really funny, and it is it's it's really good to see that in a big budget summer blockbuster. Well, I know there was in a lot of ways there was a ton riding on this movie. If this movie did poorly, it would be stu- able studios would be able to say, well, there we go. You know, a re- we really can't make a movie. We can't even fucking make Ghostbusters have four, you know, 
people who, you know, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy are popular. The other two are good on SNL kind of a thing. If we can't make this work, nobody can make this work. We can't do a, you know, comedy like this. We can't budget a movie that's, you know, just for women. And if the movie does well, you know, obviously sequels will be made and this will have a bit of an influence I'm glad it seems to be doing well, but I'm also glad that there was a good movie behind it because I also don't want that kind of a success to happen for tokenist reasons. Yes, no, I, I agree. You know that the, I, I, and I think they had an awareness that this was important in that way. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I think that I mean you have four female comedians that are are at the top of their game and are doing you know fantastic work in this movie. So I think that that's a large part of it. I mean, this is a movie that was made because. You know, Paul Feig hit on this idea to make it a, a female cast, make mm. it distinct from the original Ghostbusters. I mean, let's not forget that even five years ago they were talking about having like Seth Rogen and people in it and stuff, you know, and I think that that would have been, you know, I don't know what that movie would have been like. It might have been okay, but I don't think it would have been necessary. Mm. This movie feels, if not necessary, then at least not. Uh, well, it doesn't feel, I think a lot of people were, you know, in the case of remakes, you know, you worry that it's it's either going to not hold a candle to the original or be better than the original. And this one is able to be a different thing so that way it neither supersedes nor is dissolved by the 1984 Ghostbusters. You can watch them we we just watch them as a trilogy. I yeah. mean this movie I would say is in a lot of ways in dialogue with the original Ghostbusters. In, in simple terms, jokes such as they're ready to rent the firehouse and they find out it's $22,000 a month. Yeah. Uh, you know, jokes like that, jokes like the cameos, but at the same time, it is also, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I, you know, the structure, it's the same exact structure as the first two movies. Well, kind of, but I think which, it, which it, part it, of that has to do, I guess, in terms of, you know, there's ghost sightings and it turns out to be the plot of a big bad who unleashes all the ghosts in New York City and they clean it up. Now, to be fair, a lot of that is just movie structure. Yeah. But I, you know, I do, I do want to say though that I think that, that the opening of the movie actually was the weakest part for me. Um, I didn't find it funny at all. And I yeah. thought that it was a little too, because one of the things that, that really worked in the, about, when they're in the museum, in the, the museum. Yeah. Cause one of the things that really worked about the original Ghostbusters, what it, it, it was that it was very much grounded in a sense of verisimilitude. It was very much, it was, it was able to, and, and not afraid to play scenes straight, even though it was a comedy. Yeah. You know, if you think back to the first, you know, uh, uh, scene of the original Ghostbusters, for example, that is the, the librarian yes. at the library who gets scared by the ghost. It's very short. It's very, uh, it makes its point very quickly. It's not funny at all. And then if you think back to the first scene of Ghostbusters yeah. 2 with the baby carriage getting away from, from Sigourney Weaver's character, that is also played straight for to scare you. There's no laughs in it, really. Yeah. Although it is a little funnier because you've got you know New York characters arguing on the street. Well, but it, you know, but, it, it starts – I would say that that does a little bit towards changing the atmosphere to make the – to highlight the intensity of the – Yes. But anyway. Um, but I think that the, the opening part of this Ghostbusters – doesn't really work because I think that, that it would have been a smarter choice to have the opening be played straight. So in other words, the there's this first segment of it where he's explaining about the mansion and the ghosts and all. And, you know, there are some funny lines in it. But anyway, um, that's the thing, though, is that I didn't think they I, were funny. I, I didn't laugh at all. And I was kind I of worried about the movie when it first started because – 
I was kind of like, oh, is this what this movie is going to be? And that's I, I don't know if I like this. It's maybe slightly cartoonish, I guess, in some it, ways. It's a little too but cartoonish, yeah. Either way, you know, then they have the second half where he's closing up and he actually encounters the ghost. And that, you know, if, let you know, imagine if the first half of that scene were cut and it's just... You know, the second half where, you know, it's a tour guide, you know. I think that would have worked better because I think that a lot – I mean, especially for me, the the jokes that were made when he was giving the tour felt like jokes. Like they felt very written to me in Mm. a way that that the rest of the movie didn't necessarily. Yeah. And it could just be because I – that actor I don't like very much. I don't know, but – Yeah. I I mean, I I can see a version of that done with an actor who is pretending to be a tour guide who's just bored and making all of these jokes like himself. Imagine if that was the Bill Murray cameo instead of whatever the hell he was doing in this movie, which we need to talk about. Yeah, but but, – no, I mean, for example, that line like, oh, God was drunk when he created her, you know, whatever. Um, Again, you can see – playing the character as a very bored tour guide who's making shit up in order right. to, you know, just flim-flam tourists who will believe anything he says. And, I mean, part of that is suggested by the fact that he has this candlestick, you know, haunted gag, you know. If that were the entire... But uh, you think... It, it, it seems like in the world of these movies that was actually the quote written by this guy and they're taking a joke too seriously. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Bill Murray was trying to be Truman Capote and also show his contempt for this entire thing. Because <laughs> he was not f- good. He was in a different movie than the rest of the cast. Well, he's become a very different actor than this type of movie. That is true. I I, I questioned why they put him in this movie. I, I, mean, I, I know why they did, because they had cameos from everyone else except for Rick you Moranis. Get, uh, uh, you get the sense that Bill Murray wanted no part of it, but he's Bill Murray, so he just wanted to torpedo his scenes. You know, I think he, I mean, it seems almost like he's deliberately doing a bad job, but also knew that nobody would dare to say anything against it. I think, yeah, I, uh, you don't think the I, I I don't think Paul Feig would, would you know no matter what would have the balls to say to Bill Murray, you need to do this again. You need to do a better job. Seemed very disengaged from his lines. He seemed very disengaged from the scenes he was in. He didn't seem to be uh, interested in what was going on at all. And I I guess what really bothered me about it, they have the you know they have the in the uh, he's in three separate scenes. He is seen, well. He's in two. I think he's in the ghost montage. The ghost montage? You know, at the end when the all the ghosts oh. are, he's the one who he's flashing people or something like oh, that. Okay. So they have him in three separate scenes. If it was just one, the one where he has the interview, and it's like a two-line thing, it wasn't great, but okay, you know, whatever. You know, that's I mean, the- I can see why they wanted to kill him off, because I'm sure that Bill Murray, in the same way that Harrison Ford only agreed to do The Force Awakens if they killed the character, yeah. was that he didn't want to do this anymore, and so he was like, let's just get rid of me. And, but you know, the thing is, go, like, go, going to not- a closer-to-home actor, Sigourney Weaver said similar things about Alien. And four. But the thing is, like, none of the cameos are playing the same characters from the first no. two movies. So killing him doesn't really accomplish anything because you could always just cast him in another role in the next one. I mean, you get it. You get him almost as a sense like he said, all right, but I want to be a ghost, you know, which would have been fine. Like, yeah, why not just make him a ghost? Yeah. Kind of? You know, just have him as, you know, but they you, you got the sense that they wanted to honor Bill Murray and that he's slapping them in the face. But. And uh, which was a shame because all of the others were great. I mean, I thought Sigourney Weavers was the best, but you know, Dan Aykroyd had a very funny lines. Uh, Eddie Potts was really great to see. Um, 
I mean, it is sad that— What do you want? <laughs> it was sad that Rick Moranis decided not to, and I read an interview with him where he basically said, this is something I did 30 years ago I wasn't going to do one day of work for, which is an extremely reasonable thing to say, and you kind of wish Bill Murray had said the same. Yeah, I don't know how they got him to agree to do this. Frankly, they drove a truckload of money to his. Especially head. if the you know the the story is true that he said that he like has a phone number with an answering machine. that yeah. he tells people to call for movie roles and he checks it like once every six months. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds like a very Bill Murray thing to do. I know, and it's a kind of thing where it's like you know, did he want to work with Kristen Wiig? Well, he could have figured out it. You know, this wasn't yeah. his only opportunity. It wasn't like oh, would well, it be nice to see you know Sigourney? Well, they weren't on set on the same day, obviously. You know, there there's no. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you know, movie- it's just Bill Murray, and he does the last thing you'd expect him to do. So showing up to work <laughs> would be that. No, I, I, I do get the sense there was some contempt he wanted to get out on this movie. Yeah, that could be, you know, and I think that that's kind of a shame because the movie is really funny. Yeah, so I don't know that necessarily. I mean, there's, there's definitely a part of it which feels like the cameos are sort of like passing the torch, you know. And I don't think that they'll be in the next one. If no, there is a sequel. They, they ought not to. But at the same time, there was like I read one thing where like, oh, it would be really cool if you have, you know, Dan Aykroyd shows them design for the power thing. You know, you know, Annie Potts try it draws the logo. And, you know, no, like they, they just think, oh, it was it was nice to see some old friends in a way. And, and that was it. And now we're you know, this is something new. Well, I think it was really it's an interesting choice for for Paul Feig to make, especially because, you know, the movie is very different from the original Ghostbusters, even though it is a riff on it. And it is very much in love with the original Ghostbusters, yeah. I think. And, you know, putting the cameos of these actors in there is a way for the movie to sort of bridge the gap without making it an explicit sequel to those, which I think is yeah. smart. And, and, it also, way, and it also shows that, you know, hey, we've got the, you know... we, we It's we, an imprimatur. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Ivan Reitman produced this, for example. Yeah. So he directed the first two. So it's kind of like everyone, this, you know, there yeah. were people involved in the original two. They're okay with this. Everyone can relax. Yeah. You know, so... I mean, it really does... Get, I, I mean, I think I, – I, I guess my only response to the controversy is I wish people would mind their own fucking business. Yeah, do we have to talk about the con- – I guess we do. I don't know, like, because – There were a couple of lines in the movie that were obviously put in the movie because of all the backlash. The YouTube comments, jokes, which were, you know, but that was funny and that was, you know, good. But. Yeah. Um, I still don't understand what the backlash is, really, unless it's just about sexism, which apparently it is. So. A lot of people are feeling like this is going to – one of the phrases, oh, it's going to ruin my childhood. I grew up with the Ghostbusters. Have actually said that? I mean, like, I don't, I don't – I hear that, but I'm like, does anybody actually think that? I don't know. I don't go into Reddit. Like, I just don't but, get it. I don't know. know. I, guess I, don't, I, I guess I don't really – Well, because these are obviously not happy people. They are not right. well people, and they deserve – more than anything, our sympathy, and well, you know, I think it's horrible that people are saying monstrous things, but if you have somebody who is worried about – I mean, again, I think part of it was the worry that this would supersede the Ghostbusters, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's another Ghostbu- it's another Ghostbusters movie. It's yeah. more of something you like, you know, it doesn't retroactively, but I mean, I you're mean, dealing I... with people with mindsets that are not mature and adult about things. I mean, yes. we are dealing with toddlers. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, it is it is true that Columbia Pictures, you know, did decide to destroy the negatives of the first two Ghostbusters movie, and but that's why we have DVDs and hit the self destruct button on all the DVDs. And oh no! That exist. But what about like I downloaded it? No, they went into your computer and deleted. I it. I have a VHS from 1987. They burned it. 
Are my parents okay? You'll have to call them to find out. <sighs> I don't want to call my parents. I, mean, I want to talk about. I mean, I don't want to talk about the controversy anymore. That's we, about, about it. That's about all. I, 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 I think in closing, I don't think it's right for the controversy to overshadow the film. I think the film was good, and I mean, I've been. T- yeah. It's funny. Like I mentioned to a couple of people, I saw it. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, you should go see it. Like, actually, because yeah. I, at the end of the day, this is a movie that I said. You know something? If you think you, if you want to see a Ghostbusters movie, go for it. It'll be fun. It's the summer. Yeah, I hung out with a couple people last night that I was talking to and, and mentioned that I had seen Ghostbusters, you know, the other day, and they were like, "Oh, really?" And I was like, "Yeah, it was really funny. You should yeah. go see it." You know, it's a real movie, I guess. Is well, that's the thing, though, is is you know, it, it, it is still a summer blockbuster. I yeah. think that it's you know, the thing about the this movie is that it is, it's the kind of summer blockbuster that they don't make anymore, and hmm. it's like. Yes, it's very entertaining. It's very funny. It doesn't really have a reason to exist other than to make you happy and smile. And that, I think, is really nice. Yeah. The only thing I, that, I got there, I laughed. And I have it, you know, it, it was nice to laugh for a couple hours. The, and again, the people behind us maybe were laughing a little too much, but that's fine. They were having a good time. They were drunk. Maybe they were drunk. Uh, you can drink alcohol in theaters here in Portland, so, you know. Um, but I think that you know it does suffer from some of the problems of summer blockbusters hmm. especially in the last 10 or 15 years where you know the last 20 minutes of the movie are just special effects and it just kind of loses all thread what of the plot funny but, is a lot of that you know we i think we talked briefly about the 2009 video game and it reminded me a lot of those sequences especially when they're like using the proton packs to like jerk the ghost around like that's a move in the game i I think the last 20 minutes I would have much rather played than watched, but... Yeah, it feels a little too overwhelming. It makes it a little... Not even cartoony. It just calls attention to the unrealisticness of it. Yeah. I mean, you've got characters that are being, like, thrown 20 feet into cars, and they're fine. And, you know, it's just stuff like that. I mean, I did like the... Uh, I, I did like the design of a lot of the ghosts. Yeah. I think that that was really something that the movie was Visual was effects much, are very good. Much better than the original Ghostbusters. Mm. I mean, certainly the original Ghostbusters was very good for its time, and certainly the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man is a great design, and that's a great effect. But I think that a lot of the ghosts showed more um imagination i mean especially like the fact that in the in the sort of Times square sequences you had all these sort of old-timey 20s ghosts roaming around yeah and i the old thanksgiving balloon i yeah i really like the thanksgiving balloon ghosts i thought that was really that was a really smart take on it i even like the fact that the final boss of the movie is you know an evil version of the logo like that's a very good yeah it's a very good second iteration of marshmallow man it's certainly you know just as the statue of liberty and ghostbusters 2 was a reverse of marshmallow man this is a repeat of it but both in a way which i mean i i i mean that that it is very literally the ghostbusters logo is you know i'm sure we could write something about that and i like the scene with the kid drawing the graffiti yeah it was good i mean it was fine a couple thing, couple minor things that always bother me is that, like, number one, I understand why they didn't film the entire movie in New York, but they filmed it in Boston, part of it in Boston, and it doesn't look like New York. Mm. It bothers me because, like, people probably don't notice, but Boston and New York look very different. New York is wonderful, and Boston looks like, you know, hell. Yeah. So uh, it was really good that they filmed the ghost panic sequences in Boston because they didn't even need to dress the sets. I don't know why they made up the name of a of a fictional subway station on the Upper East ha. Side, Seward Street, which doesn't exist. 
Uh, apparently the G train goes there. Oh, uh, yeah. There were a lot of bits that Eric and I were laughing at that other people were – or like there were – you know, that were like really, you know, New York-y jokes. There was one, and I don't remember what it was, that a bunch of people laughed. And I'm like, you're not laughing at it for the right reasons. You're laughing at it because it sounds funny. But that's real in New York. Yeah, yeah. And also the fact that, again, this is always my, my pet peeve. And I always say this every time I see a movie set in New York that features alleys. But there are no alleys in uh. Manhattan. They don't exist. No. So stop it, movies. God. I understand that you want alleys to exist in Manhattan, but they don't. There's like two alleys in the entire well, city. Well, this took place in one of them. I don't think it did, Richard. I think it might have. Uh, Boston and, is nothing but alleys. <laughs> there are no buildings there. And and also, I would be remiss if I did not criticize the cinematography of the movie. I think that there is a... <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's very difficult. Well, it's not very difficult, but it's it's harder. I think that people, cinematographers, sometimes don't necessarily know how to work with digital in a way that doesn't make it look like a soap opera. Hmm. It did not look distinct to me. I don't think that it looked very good. No, I think. I mean, the lighting was fine. You know, that's obviously a different thing than cinematography, but. For the most part, I just the the atmosphere of the actual look of the movie did not sell it for me. It looked very, very fake and very soap opery, and that That's, was the one criticism of the movie that I can really make. No, I mean, yeah, I I, I think I can agree with that. Sure, that I'm glad you like can. Something that I've learned over these past several months of talking about movies, because there's a, there's a thing about. The original Ghostbusters, you know, mm. it's not the best looking movie of all time. It's, you know, Ivan Reitman is, is a fine director, but, you know, he's not an artiste or anything. Uh, I would not call Paul Feig an artiste either. But there are elements to this movie that I think would have been enhanced if the outdoor scenes especially had more of a, 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 a yeah. kind of a cinema verite quality to them like the original Ghostbusters did. They feel a little bit more staged, I that's, guess, for, for lack of a better word. I'm with you. But it's a minor criticism of a movie that I think has is a lot better than it has any right to be. Huh. Uh, you know, there, there's... Yeah, there, I mean, maybe they can... You know, because we one of the things is Ghostbusters is a massive... Ghostbusters is very much greater than the sum of its parts. It's, it's a great movie, an okay movie, a kiddie television series, smattering of video games, but, you know, it's treated like it's this holy text in a lot of ways yeah and which again i think a lot of that has to do with the cast and the talent yeah i'm not saying that the original ghostbusters didn't you know deserve a lot but you know we got diminishing returns with it especially with ghostbusters 2 which came out years later and everybody was tired it will be very interesting to see ghostbusters 2016 too in two years with you know a cast that's you know, excited to do it and a director who is very into the project. And and I guess with some, you know, maybe some idea, you know, let's pretend this is going to be a trilogy like every other fucking movie, you know, if, you know, with some ideas built towards what's going to happen next, maybe this will, this will be interesting to see where this goes. I mean, I would go to see it again. I mean, I, you know, I mean, maybe not in the theater, but I would see it again. Yeah. And I think that that's probably the best thing I can say about it. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of movies that I go to in the theater. Anymore. Listen, man, I'll go see tw- Ghostbusters 2016, too. <laughs> so I think that's what I can say it's called about Ghostbusters it. 2018. Yeah, I think maybe the final thing to say before we wrap this episode up is that 
again, uh, just to go back to, to, to the sort of feminist angle and the, and the fact that these are women and they're very funny and they're being funny in an organic uh, female way that does not feel but it, know, and, and, put, put upon in any way. But is also not like, while well, this movie you know has female friendship at its core, it's not a film about female friendship. Well, this is not pitched to be a woman's movie. It's not a romantic comedy. You know, in they're not ways. being funny because they're women. They're just being funny. But they're 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 uh, it, it, the the jokes in the movie that a man could not make feel so not revelatory because I've seen that kind of thing before. But again, I think this might be new for people that, you know, don't really pay much attention to comedy because we haven't really, or had, don't pay much know, attention no... to what the way women talk in groups. I mean, well, that's if you've ever, yeah, and like... you know, I've worked in a lot of places which were largely female staffed. I worked in libraries. Well, you know, recently I worked a couple of years ago, I worked in a bakery where I was one of, you know, two guys on staff. And when you're, a gay man who's working with mostly women, you don't 100% get to yeah. see what women are like on their own, but you get a lot, and women are really fucking crass. And, yeah. you know, make just as dirty jokes as, you know, men will make among themselves and talk in similar ways and will, you know, gossip about the hot, you know, dude who's working for them, you know, that they just hired for the eye candy and will joke about farting and stuff like that. And I don't know, it, 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 it's... This you say revelatory. I guess this was taking that kind of dynamic that is normally seen in women-only spaces and kind of showing it to other people and saying this is how people talk. Yeah, because again, I mean, I, I saw you know one uh, comment about the movie that basically said something like, you know, how can I show this to my to my son because you know both of the male character most bo- both of the main male characters in the movie are you know horrible and stupid and then you know someone responded like like all the movies featuring female characters <laughs> and male dominated casts you know and it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you say wow this is really good I mean I think this is going to you know open a lot of eyes to to the possibilities of of you know all female casts i think or mostly female casts. like i said I, you and know, if, if it does well there will be you know this is a demonstrable like no this is you know one of and the- not only that but they're they're women that are being funny they're women that are being extremely funny but they're also women that are in an action movie mm-hmm. pulling it off very well there's no question that they can do it yeah and also frankly that you know there's no standard you know female story in here no I mean, there's, there's no, no real romance there's no arc. romance i mean you know kristen wig has this running joke about ogling the kevin the secretary yeah which is but very she funny. i i also think it's important that she in the interview makes it very clear that she knows he's dumb as a box of hammers you know she you know she very she's very open she just thinks it's not a romance and she doesn't exactly like they all like him because he's a very stupid puppy right know? exactly <laughs> and i like that i like that they did that i mean it was i mean let's be fair i mean putting putting female characters you know a a mostly female cast you know obviously the main cast is all female in a big block you know blockbuster hollywood movie in the summer is is a daring choice and you know it's Mm -hmm. certainly something that that hasn't happened before to my knowledge you know which is kind of terrible but also the fact that they put a character like kevin in the movie you know he is playing the female role but he is playing it in a very different way. It, the dynamic is completely different. And also, I think that character, more than anything else, is probably the most daring thing the movie did <laughs> because it's basically going, look, you know, we can do this to a man too. Well, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of, again, there's plenty of examples of movies with, you know, 
female secretary is so dumb that how do they live, you know? And that's this character. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody has a problem with the character of Kevin, well, maybe you know how women have felt all those years. And if anyone has a problem with that character, just look at those pictures of him with the shirt off. The one opportunity they missed, I like how they have this thing where he somehow thinks that his – he hears through his eyes. But I wish they said, you know, should I take a picture of me listening to the saxophone? And I wish they'd had him just intently staring at it. That would have been the perfect, but. I can't answer the phone. It's in the fish tank. <laughs> no, the one on the desk. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. Well. We could devolve into just quoting. I'm glad that we did Ghostbusters. I think it was a good experiment. Uh, you know, I think that these are movies that obviously resonate with a lot of people and i hope that people go see the new one because it's very good well i'm gonna say i will not be able to see any of the ghostbusters films quite the same way again yeah now that i've analyzed them sure and so we have ruined our own childhoods well we did that years ago frankly what when we became adults yep when we became grown men who had our own lives Well, if you have any comments on this episode please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trackaboutshow.com you can leave us a iTunes review. Positive iTunes review. Please. That would be helpful. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon if you've been enjoying our podcasts. Patreon.com slash show. And uh, we actually are going to be releasing our August patron special if you give us $5 a month or more, which is going to be about the 25th anniversary Star Trek game. Exciting. Yay. Something people have been asking for, so we're finally doing it. And as always, you can find us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's Trek About Show. Now, normally this would be the time when we announce what we're going to do next on Trek About Presents. I'm really excited to hear what movies we're going to watch. But we have a very special announcement. What is it? Well, if you listened to uh, Trek About yesterday, uh, you will know this already. But Richard and I are starting a second weekly podcast. What? It's coming out. The first episode is coming out tomorrow. Oh, my God. We Thursday, have to record this. July 21st. Uh, it's called Tuning In. Oh. You can find it at tuninginshow.com. It uh, will probably not be up on iTunes yet, but it will be very soon. And when it does, please write a positive iTunes please, review. Yes. Uh, it's going to be uh, a show where we watch television, essentially. Okay. There's a lot of television out there. I think it needs... The Richard and Eric touch. We, 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 we've gone boldly where no man has gone before into shows that are not Star Trek. Yes. Uh, so actually the first show that we're starting out with is uh, that uh, classic cult hit that everyone has forgotten about. Firefly. Ah, so I haven't seen that in a while. I'll be excited to watch it. Yeah. So the, the first episode of that drops tomorrow. Tuning in show.com on Firefly. The pilot. Serenity. Did we like it? Did we not like it? Well, I mean, we could just listen to the episode and find out. You can listen to that tomorrow. And we hope you do. We hope you like it. Um, please do give it a listen. Please do uh, you know, go to the site. Leave us a comment about it. Tell your friends. We're very excited about this new show. We think it's going to be good. Tell your enemies. Uh, we're going to be doing Firefly. It's going to be fairly short, 15 episodes. Then we're going to be moving into something else, uh, which we already know what it is, but we're not going to tell you. Because screw you guys and then we're going to be moving into something else which we also know but we're not going to tell you i don't know what that one is actually oh you know oh we're doing that show yeah oh i think you're gonna be excited so we'll be starting that in about i don't know four months or something six months i don't know (laughs) folks please help me this is a lifelong thing i can never get out of 
All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Truck About Presents. Please do check out Truck About at our other podcast. And also please check out our new podcast, Tuning In, at tuninginshow.com. Thank you very much for listening.